Hello and welcome to another episode of Nkosi Sigelela with me, your host, Nkululego Nkosi. And in this podcast, we try to bring you cool people who have cool things to say usually <clears throat> and people who shape the country, the universe and so forth and so on and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, uh, people who, once we reveal our guest today, you'll understand the context of, of that uh, last speech. But anyway... Um, just a recap from last week. Uh, I had with me Uluazba Peshe, who goes by uh, the Twitter handle Umfazomnyama, and there we were talking about academics, politics, and of course feminism. Uh, she also drew and explained her love chat about uh, trying to balance the relations between men and women in a relationship context. So that was pretty cool. You should check it out. Uh, but today I have the pleasure of having um, one of um, what do you call this? One of one of the major voices uh, of a new of a new movement that has been calling for the disbandment of the ANC Youth League. Uh, on episode two of this podcast, we had Biamgela Fanisi, and we were talking about uh, what made them want to disband. Uh, the ANC Youth League or rather call on the ANC NEC to disband the ANC Youth League so you can check that out uh, and supplement with this episode uh, but without wasting time I just want to welcome uh, Mr. Zugo uh, uh, son of son of Tabo, <laughs> welcome, man. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Kuli. Uh, I know it's been it's been we've been trying to get this thing going for for quite some time, but uh, I'm appreciative that we finally found some time uh, to have this chat. Yeah, I think it's been a month now. Yeah, if not yeah, more than yeah. That, our schedules are just not chilling. At least not not to have a sit down like this. Yeah. <clears throat> but I'm glad that we finally are sitting so that we we talk about of course now a lot has happened and i hear you are now introducing me <laughs> uh, from the vantage point of the disbandment of the youth league and stuff yeah but yeah that's what happens time time catches up and uh, i think for, for many people mm. who, who haven't really been following the news about about uh, this new movement and the recent developments i think a lot of people won't be aware of what has happened in terms of disbandment and what it means for uh for you guys and i thought well a lot of people would have thought that okay the nc youth league is disbanded and that's the whole point but it turns out that it's not it, it's not it's not so uh, maybe a bit of context yeah. we we came up with the position to call for the disbandment of the leadership of the ANC Youth League because again we're activists of the ANC Youth League, we're members of the ANC, we've observed over time the state of the ANC Youth League has not been in good shape and I say at least for the past seven years since 2012 yeah. when the then leadership of the ANC Youth League was taken to disciplinary proceedings in the ANC some of them were eventually expelled so we've been struggling as, a, as an organization to bounce back to our historic position that we enjoyed. I think in the period 2008 to 2012, there was hardly a day that went by without the Youth League hogging media headlines, sometimes yeah. for negative things, sometimes for positive things. But the net effect of all of that is that South Africa's political and public discourse today is centered on radical policy notions that originate from the ANC Youth League. So if you fast forward seven years from 2012, the ANC Youth League has virtually been missing in public discourse. And that was what motivated us to do what we did, to try and get the Youth League back into shape. Now, the only way the Youth League could be back in shape is if it is led by young people, yeah. so that the, the genuine voice of young people can shape itself, decide what is it that we want to put on the, on the national agenda and try to bargain our way through. So, we then said, look, the comrades were in office, had been in office beyond their constitutional term of office, one, but even when they were in office, they struggled to assert the ANC Youth League as a driving force of national discourse, of youth ideas about the future and where South Africa is today. So something had yeah, to change. Yeah. 
So, of course, the ANC leadership acceded to that call. But then they produced sort of the same outcome. They put together a, an interim team that must prepare the youth league for the national congress. But that interim team is made up of people who are much older than the leadership yeah. that we're saying was removed from office. You have uh, lead ANC leaders who are 61 years old, 50 something year old, this, this and that. Our concern is getting to a national congress is a process. Yeah. The legitimacy of the outcomes of a national congress are cultivated through that process. You need to deposit in society a set of policy documents that anticipate what could be the, the policy outcomes of that national congress. Yeah. Now, how are you going to have elders preparing that policy work, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. If they do, which they probably might try to do, you would have elders conditioning the policy discourse of young people, yeah. such that the outcomes at that national congress are pretty much outcomes that are conditioned at an intellectual level by elders. So we still have a gripe uh, with that outcome, and we are still taking that up with the ANC leadership. Yeah, yeah. Now, there are those who then say, well, are you only going to be satisfied with an outcome that includes you? Do, do, those of you who are matching, do you want to be the ones who find that interim team? Pretty much no. Yeah. In fact, in our memorandum to the ANC, we were quite explicit on that, that. Even if the ANC were to take a principled position that we will not include the ones who called for disbandment, we would be okay with that. Yeah. But what we're insisting on is that give this thing to people who are between the ages of 14 and 35. Allow real young people to be in charge of the process. It doesn't matter where you take them from. Yeah. You can even have a format that says, okay, we'll have a cross-section of the unemployed, the educated, the uneducated, da -da -da -da, whatever you have, yeah. and then put up that team. Because you want to say to society now, we're preparing for a national congress in six months. This is the cross-section of South African youth that will be yeah. producing that national congress. But you can't do that if you have elders. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think the some some of the conversations that people are having is to then ask why specifically young people? Why do you specifically want young people to um, then lead the administration and the preparation of the the upcoming uh, uh, national conference, whereby pretty much they'll be doing somewhat the same thing that uh, the new entity that has been formed will be doing. So why this special emphasis uh, on, 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 the, on, on the youth factor? Because I can understand the, the, the policy uh, problems, the, the admin problems, but uh, I think some people will ask themselves why the specific requirement for youth? You know, a national Congress is a, is a combination of things. It's, it's a combination of administrative processes, of intellectual processes, of political processes, and so on. The principle of change that the ANC taught us was that transformation is two related things. It's about the end goal, which has got to be owned by the people that it targets. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's the National Congress in this context. And the answer said, the means of transformation ought to be shaped by those who stand to benefit at the end. Yeah, yeah. That principle has to hold true even for something like a national congress. From a symbolic point of view, you, you are saying to South African society, the youth of the ANC is incapable of taking charge of their own affairs. Yeah. And that therefore, there's got to be this paternalism exercised by the by the older generation. And I don't think that's a good message that you want to gesture to the public. You yeah. don't want to say to the public, we are babysitting them across the river because they can't swim. Yeah. So that's what the ANC is saying, and that's what was you can't say that because those who will be elected in that Congress will have a legitimacy crisis as well. They'll be viewed as people who are a product of an unfair process that is not designed by their peers, but is designed by elders. Yeah. So just at that symbolic level, it's very important to avoid sending those wrong yeah. messages. And I think if, if maybe someone goes back into history and you'll understand when I think at the height of uh, the Mbegi presidency, that you would have a situation where in the free state, for example, there was a premier that was not necessarily the chairperson of uh, the province um, 
and that you 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 had a lot of people that somewhat it seemed as if the the political core or the leadership core at the time would say that because of a b and c because these ones are fighting or these ones don't see eye to eye then let's try bringing a, a neutral person uh, i don't know if maybe this is not what's happening here where from an anc perspective nec perspective because the youth themselves are not organized and that the last time they were organized they elected colin mine uh, this time they can't be trusted with the process themselves there are two things to say to that the the nc has undergone tremendous changes on how it manages its its leadership selection processes yeah. especially when it, when it goes to government and those changes have a combination of advantages and disadvantages depending on, on where you are sitting firstly it, it's i think it's an important discussion to have do you want to have a scenario where those who are elected into party structures automatically ought to be positioned in governance structures in the state we can have that discussion and yeah. and, and, and and pose the question when it used to happen differently under the the, the Mpegi leadership as you put it did it help improve processes of government i think we can then have a different yeah. conversation if we do that i mean you would have yes scenarios where a provincial chairperson was not the premier in government a premier in government could be just about any member of the movement was that a good and effective model of governance i don't want to pass judgment now but we can have a discussion because we'll have to counterpose it with the recent uh, period of at least the past 10 years or so yeah. where you had provincial chairpersons doubling as premiers of provinces has that improved um the systems of governance we yeah. still have to look at that because there's there's another thing at the tail end if you say anyone who gets elected in a provincial conference to be provincial chairperson that person automatically will be premier yeah you are then literally associating resources with the position of political yeah, leadership yeah, yeah. which may then complicate your succession uh, planning and, and and contestation different level if we come to the youth league entity one i think the anc leadership does not have the political and moral standing to make that argument and i'll tell you why the anc organizes conferences all the time and those conferences are usually organized by the current serving executive yeah sometimes the people in that executive are also available for re-election that has never stopped them from organizing credible conferences yeah so what holds true for the nc ought to hold true for the nc youth league if we go back to the 2015 national congress of the anc youth league it was not organized by the youth it was organized by elder yeah and we know what outcome they gave yeah. us i'm not so concerned about the election of comrade Colin Maina per se I am concerned about the administrative and procedural processes that led to the election. The ANC leadership mishandled yeah. that process. Sure, the outcomes were legitimate, but there was a section of the ANC youth league that felt aggrieved on the simple basis that the electoral process was handled in a very undemocratic manner because when people were objecting to some procedural elements, requesting a recount, this, this and that, the leadership of the ANC was extremely impatient and it, it clamped down on them. So you need a process to be as tolerant and open as possible, not because you are hoping that it will change the outcomes, but because you want to be sure that even those who lose, they believe that they lost through a yeah, fair yeah. and credible process. So the ANC mismanaged that in 2015. We don't want them to do the same now. Yeah. We, we want a strict application of the ANC Youth League constitution strict application and adherence to congress guidelines but that ought to be administered by our own peers yeah so that when something arises as a dispute we can then appeal to the ANC leadership as an appellant board but you have a problem now the entire national executive committee of the ANC youth league is now in charge of 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 of, of youth league affairs if I have a problem with them, who do I appeal to? Yeah. I appeal to the working committee of the ANC. Hell, half of the working committee is sitting in that entity. Yeah. Appeal to the NEC. 
they literally brought the entire house down on the NC Youth League. So you can't have people adjudicating a process that they are conflicted parties in. Yeah. Because that's what happens when you run into a Congress. There are complaints about BGMs, complaints about membership, buying about this, this and that. And the ANC ought to keep sufficient distance so that its objectivity and impartiality is not questioned. But because they are now an active player, why do I believe that if I write a letter to the Secretary General, he's not going to ask his fellow NWC members what happened and then believe their version of the story? All right. And then from a, from a perspective of trying to control the youth league or trying to make sure that the, the, the ANC youth league speaks in, in one voice as its mother body, um, there are people who've suggested that the whole reason we are here, the whole reason there's an entity is to make sure that there is an alignment of uh, of the youth league into uh, ANC uh, politics or ANC voices. Now, the fear is an independent youth league uh, poses a problem to the ANC, which we saw post uh, during and post the 2012 uh, debacle. To then say, how can the, the ANC youth league itself be viewed as an independent body that wants to handle its own affairs while at the same time submitting itself to uh, the ANC and its NEC. You know, uh, and this is a this is a as old a question as 1944. Yeah, uh, it's it's truly the quintessential problem of a mother body and a child, a mother and a child really or a father and a child, it's a parent and child arrangement. Is it in the interests of the ANC to have the ANC Youth League thinking exactly like the ANC? I don't think so. Yeah. I think at a strategic level, it's not. The concept of youth formations is that youth formations have got to be the pulse of the mother body on the changing sentiments and sensibilities of national discourse. Yeah. When there's a when there are profound changes in society, whether driven by changes in technology, changes in the structure of production and productive relations, the establishment might sometimes miss those changes. And the idea of a youth formation is that it has got to serve as that pulse that detects these changes yeah. and is the capacity to understand what they are about and channel the philosophical essence of those changes yeah. in order to affect the, cha the, the thinking of the mother body. That's what the Youth yeah, League is about. Yeah. The Youth League has an existential task to help the ANC keep up with change and to help the ANC guide those processes of change. Because if change happens and the ANC does not have the ability to connect with it, that change might dislodge yeah, the ANC yeah. from power. So it's not in the interest of the ANC to try to sort of supplant the possibility of different ideas from emerging. It's actually in the interest of the ANC to nurture that discourse, yeah. allow that discourse to take shape within the overall strategic vision of the ANC. And that's where I was going. The ANC Youth League and the ANC think alike, but only in strategic terms. Yeah. What are those strategic terms? The transformation of South Africa's social relations to reflect the historic demands of the African people to be liberated from racism, economic bondage, this, this and that. Yeah. There's no question about that. All of us are reading from the same input on those strategic questions. The question is, what are the epochal areas of emphasis? So when the, sure, liberation came in 1994 in the, in the sense of, of, of the repeal of racist uh, laws, the election of a democratic government, and so on. Yeah. And so far as historical processes are concerned, the generation that delivered that outcome believes that they have achieved the greatest historical milestone of yeah. all time. Yeah. And that's true, premised from their experiences of life. But those of us who were born in the transition period and afterwards are experiencing a post-apartheid South Africa with particular manifestations of racism and oppression. Yeah. And we need change that resonates with our occupation of the post-democratic space. The senior leadership of the ANC might not grasp the temple of, 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 of racism now and the temple of the structural dislocation that we feel 
as a people supposedly born yeah. and growing up in a free society, but that freedom doesn't make sense. So there are these anxieties that we are only capable of articulating that they are not capable of doing. Yeah. So it's our task as the Youth League to understand those, articulate them in the context of the language of the moment and the time, and connect those with the overall vision of the ANC. So the ANC needs us to be as free as possible and to be allowed yeah. the space to develop our own intellectual instruments to make sense of, of, of this reality and help the ANC understand this thing better. I mean, if I've, I've, I've been listening to a great number of government leaders who are my ANC leaders talking about the so-called fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. It's been a spectacular failure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, been, it's been a spectacular failure. They are conceptually out of depth. Yeah. It's not because their heart is not in the right place. The strategic thinking that we ought to embrace changes in technology and productive relations is an important one. Yeah. It's a very profound thing to do for a senior leadership. But the instruments of conceptual understanding of what that means is something that they seem to be struggling yeah. with. And that can only be done by us, the younger ones, because we occupy relationally with these changes the space of having anticipated these changes over time and understanding what they are about. I was joking the other time on Twitter that I am increasingly getting the sense that my leaders are tempted to proclaim an iPhone as a gadget of the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. Because to them, it's as though all communications technology and smart technology is for IR, when yeah. it's not that. Yeah. So you need the ANC Youth Leap to help bridge that conceptual gap. Yeah. So that the ANC can better understand what it is contending with. Yeah. And we can't do that if the ANC leadership wants to sit on our heads. Yeah. They need to give us the space to breathe, to think, to articulate and connect these new ideas, these new changes with the strategic vision of the ANC. Yeah. And I think probably one of the challenges in trying to shift the power dynamics uh, that currently exist between the ANC Youth League and the ANC is, is that even for example, it seems, I mean, in, in a parliamentary context that the young people who head there, for example, are viewed as somewhat proxies and agencies of uh, these, these, these older people and these older factions within the, 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 the ANC uh, to, to such a degree that you then ask yourself if is a youth league necessary and can't these young people that exist in this space then find themselves uh, or express themselves in the in the in the greater ANC platform and and why is this the insistence on on this youth league you know one of the things that are increasingly losing currency with us as a generation is the concept of organization mm. and I think we are, we are running a risk of falling deeper and deeper into a narcissistic notion that I, as an individual, is... So the individual is now suddenly a force of history, yeah. such that historical changes can be driven just by individuals acting as, as, yeah, as, as yeah, atoms. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a problem. So the ANC Youth League retains the concept of organized thinking and action. It's a platform where all talented young people can come together and try to synthesize their individual capabilities, their unique brilliances, and try to structure them into a coherent historical project. Yeah. Because history is a function of collective action. It's not a function of, sure, sure, individuals do emerge and with exceptional qualities, they inspire yeah. thinking and change. But to carry out the essential parts of that change requires collective action. So the ANC Youth League provides that organizational force. It becomes that organizational force to take all of these intelligent ideas, radical ideas, brilliant ideas, and condition them into a collective organized yeah. project for change. Now, if you go and, 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 and say there are young people who are in parliament, talented young people, I think all of us should rally behind them and support them. Sure, we can yeah. agree on that. 
but there's a legitimacy question that must always be posed and there's an accountability question not accountability in the form of, of law and order yeah but from a generational mission point mm, of view mm. you are in that parliament through what process who took you there yeah is it your peers that affirmed you as a representative of their generation or was it elders who for whatever reason decided to pick you out yeah now that doesn't mean you have wrong intentions but what it means is the historical interventions that you might be aiming to enforce in that space will not be complemented by your peers yeah. as a generation because they don't understand why you are there you are there to do what who sent you there and who, who are you accountable to so the NC Youth League provides that legitimacy platform to say okay we do have these young folks who are in parliament but we need to buttress their presence there with a generationally accepted and embraced vision yeah. and they too must not feel as though they are isolated they must know that they are betting on behalf of a broader team and when they need reinforcement that team is going to help them take for instance if one of the of the younger members of parliament decides to to take a a a, a, a private members bill to say for instance to to deal with questions of reproductive rights or sexuality questions yeah. in terms of law it might not succeed when they rock up in parliament they propose that from the podium and then there's no groundswell mm, yeah so you need them to do that on that platform as soon as they deliver that speech on the podium in parliament that ought to be followed by a series of mass protests of mass campaigns and agitation against parliament as a whole to adopt that private members bill. Yeah. But if they are there alone and no one knows what they are going to say on what day, it's going to be difficult for us to organize behind that vision that they are leading. So, if you have a coherent ANC Youth League that is in touch with these conversations about reproductive rights, this this and that, you are then going to be able to run successful campaigns using that parliament that yeah, parliamentary yeah. platform, those young people who are there to be able to build a generational vision and mission around reproductive rights. So that's why you need the ANC Youth League to exist as an organized formation. Yeah. yeah. And 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 what has been uh, the response uh from 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 young people that aren't necessarily themselves a a a member or members of 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 the ANC Youth League. So uh, and then also what has been somewhat the response from the provinces that don't get to be seen maybe on TV that um, have been previously ignored, you know. Uh, and, and I think I, 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 I say this because uh, with whatever movement that forms in South Africa, there's always the danger that this movement could be elitist, mm. that these ones think mm. too highly of themselves. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious about the representation in, in this movement. Okay. Firstly, I must say, I don't think we are a movement, per se. Yeah. I don't think the, 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 the influence yeah. of the movement is acceptable because it, it, it runs the risk of projecting us as people are trying to run something different from the ANC. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've, we've had a very interesting, very interesting experience through this. The people who object to our political action actually mostly people who are in leadership structures yeah so it's the self-interested elite core in the ANC youth league in the ANC but those who are not in structures have actually been quite positive in their response to us including the non-partisan youth yeah there's great interest in the concept of the ANC youth league and there's, there, there seems to be a great appreciation of its capacity to effect change in the ANC and in society as a whole so when something of this sort comes out it resonates with standing attitudes yeah. that people have always had but which it appears have been disappointed uh, by the recent experience of a more rebound youth league that was not so much out there active and so on sure it will sound as though we are justifying our own action yeah. by giving this response but it is what it is social media the reaction has been the same people send us text messages and saying look we didn't even know that there are voices like this in, in, in the youth league anymore. We thought this thing died in 2012 when yeah. those fellows were expelled. Others are saying, you know, yeah, uh, 
we we see this we appreciate it but to what end yeah. what, what are the chances for this thing succeeding because we know the ANC to be a pretty much conservative institutional setup where anyone who does something out of the norm yeah. will be treated you know with with with, with, with uh, a heavy hand this this and that but the profound thing for us is that even ANC leaders have been actually quite forthcoming and saying look we might not ordinarily clap hands for these kinds of tactics but we think the essential message coming out of it yeah. is quite important so even the non-partisan youth have been saying the same thing that look we don't know politics we don't know where this thing is going but we're quite happy to see that there's a group of young people who are our age who look like us who take it up on themselves to march against power when power is no longer doing what it is designed to do yeah so it's, it's been quite good now the question of the other provinces in south africa it seems it's not it's not even something difficult to understand why all action gains currency when it is rooted in the Gauteng metropole because Gauteng is yeah. as it were the economic and political capital of South Africa's political economy so this is by by design yeah. the concentration of economic resources also means the concentration of the media network the the the, the, the appetite to shape national discourse is much higher in the Gauteng metropole than it is anywhere else. So you're always going to have an exaggerated uh, representation of voices that operate in the Gauteng yeah. metropole. And it, it gives you a bit of an obscured view of what is the sentiment across South Africa. Our experience in the action that we're doing, there were people from Northwest, from Limpopo, from, from, from Bumalang, and they were playing a very leading role yeah through that. I mean, the person who handles our our our, our media work is Tawama Wucha, who comes from Limpopo. They have been at, at, at the, at, in the driving seat of this. We did have protests in KwaZulu-Natal as well, quite yeah. a big one. But again, it's KwaZulu-Natal, so you are likely going to have a much more publicized protest uh, downtown Johannesburg than in the middle yeah, of, yeah, of, of yeah. Durban. But they, there's been that. And also because of the special distinction you are not going to have as profound a format of organizing and as quickly as you would yeah, and, as, and yeah. as, as cheap as it is here in other provinces take the eastern cape the eastern cape is a geographic area that is a 10-hour drive from where I, I come from in bizana all the way beyond port elizabeth you will have to drive for 11 hours which means if you are to organize transportation for a protest say in a, in, a, in a midpoint area like King Williamstown or East London, you will have to transport people across a six-hour distance. That's a very costly exercise. Yeah. It's unlike here in Gauteng. I mean, if you are to transport anyone from here to Irene, you're likely going to pay 2,000 rands or 3,000 rands in a, in a, in a bus, yeah. right? So because of the nature of Gauteng, it's also cheaper to organize and move people around than in the other areas. Yeah. So it's not as though there's no interest to go organize there, but it's expensive. Yeah. And we, are, we, 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 we really are living off our own pockets as, as employed people, some are in the private sector, some of us are, are, are working in the public service. So you also have to time your protest action to be just after yeah. payday or on payday so that you can be able to supplement some of these things. Yeah. So that's, but we've been having like positive feedback from across the board, but we've not been able to organize there as we would have wanted to. Because an experience we've had on two occasions of our, of our marching has been with KwaZulu Natal. Because some of the comrades there have been saying, look, we're, we're far, but we insist on showing up. Yeah. And they usually arrive just an hour before we disperse the entire yeah. match because they must drive overnight. It's unlike taking a flight, a flight which is which is 55 minutes from Durban, yeah, interna yeah, from Kinshasa yeah. International to Ortambo. If you are driving from Durban, you are coming here, and you are driving in a bus, you need to drive overnight. That's an expensive thing because you must feed the folks who are on that bus. They must, because they are young, they also want to drink their alcohol. You're not going to stop them from doing that, which means they will go around stopping every two hours to pee, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they, they get here, it's almost after the fact, but the intention is there. So it's not as though we've not had these provinces because there is no organizing that is taking yeah, place on yeah. the ground. It's just that also the media appetite for those spaces is not as high as it is for those of us who are operating here. On a given day, 
if you are here, you can honor 10 interviews yeah. if you are in Johannesburg. Because if SAPC has come through, you know, you go to Auckland Park, which is yeah. like seven minutes away. From Auckland Park, we are driving Linden. So you can do that, do all this. It, it will appear as though the media was coming to you. No. As long as they say on an interview at this time, because we're in Gauteng, it's easier to do yeah, that. Yeah. Radios, it's still the same thing. They, 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 they call you, you go live in their studio because they are close. Yeah. But it's different for people who are outside Gauteng. And then from the response that you've gotten from some of the young people who are also in, in the ANC Youth League, who have said, well, there was no point in, in these people engaging in this, in this sort of action to begin with, because the very same thing that we said was going to happen has happened, because you have a task team, we disagree with the task team. Uh, it seems as if there's no way to please uh, these disbandists uh, it seems as if these disbanders, the only point of satisfaction is if they themselves are, are, are leading this revival project. Uh, so tell me about some of the, some of the not so positive and res response and how uh, you and the collective hope to respond to, to some of it. As, as you put it, there are people who say, ah, these chaps, they, they, they wanted this thing disbanded, they got it. Now they are squealing about this and that, what the hell do they want? And we've been saying to them, it means you never read our memorandum. Yeah. Because our memorandum was not disband, then sit back. It said, it did a, almost like a scenario planning. It said, disband, do this, do that. If you don't do this and you do that, we will still have a problem with you. Yeah. So there's nothing that we are saying now that we didn't say from day one. The NC leadership knows. We even said to them, we are likely going to go to court actually. Yeah. If you if 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 you don't bring in a task team consistent with the idea of the ANC Youth League, we're going to take you to court. It was yeah. not memorandum. It's not it's not something that we're thinking about now. When the leadership of the ANC accepted that memo, they read it all, it included those points. Yeah. So some of the people who are who, who are giving us negative feedback were negative even about disbandment yeah. to start with. So it's not it's not it's not a newly found antipathy towards us. It's people who thought there was no cause to disband to start with. Yeah. They were invested in the status quo and therefore they are still saying, aha, we told you so. Their cynicism says, look, these chaps are doing this thing because they want to lead the ANZ Youth League. Now, there are two things to that. There's nothing criminal about us wanting to lead the ANZ Youth League. We're members of the Youth League. Yeah. And the constitution actually, and I insist on this interpretation, in its listing of obligations of youth league members, it actually enjoins all of us to be available to lead. What could be criminal is a youth league member saying they are not available without a credible reason. Yeah. So I don't think we should be treated with, to this nonsensical argument that ah they want to lead. To lead, we do. Now let's put that aside. But we're not going to lead through a task team. Yeah. Leading is a function of being elected. So the cynics still reserve the right not to elect us. It's members of the Youth League at the end of the day who are going to choose their own leadership. Yeah. We, don't, we don't believe that we can decree ourselves into leadership. No. It will have to be members of the Youth League who choose their own leaders. They know their own leaders. We can't impose ourselves on yeah. them. If, 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 if the general sentiment in the Youth League is that we are useless, worthless, bunch of opportunities, this, this and that, let that play itself out when the organization is in the process of reviving itself. Now, there is the other dimension to this thing. The past two months, even the cynics have got to accept that the idea of the Youth League has now been brought back to the center of national discourse. Yeah. You don't have to agree with the people who brought it back and how they brought it back, but there's a renewed appetite to discuss the affairs of the ANC Youth League. And I think that's, that's a victory for all of us. We've been subjected for a long time to almost like a monolithic concentration on the EFF as the de facto voice of young people in South Africa. And the Youth League had been submerged beneath that growing hegemonized voice of the EFF as the sole voice of young people. That's an untenable situation for the Youth League and for the ANC. Well, now for the fact that in every weekly news cycle, you do have to engage with Youth League affairs, it's a collective positivity yeah. that all of us have got to embrace. You don't have to like the faces that are, are driving that. What you can instead do is to intervene in that discourse and say, 
we don't agree with them. This is the version of the youth league that we insist on. We think actually yeah. the elders are fine. We want the elders to remain in that office. Let them do what they are doing. We think they're the best thing to happen to the ANC youth league. All good and well. Do that. There are young people who are not part of our initial movement who've been writing articles, commenting on this. Yeah. Either agreeing or disagreeing. They are enriching the discourse. The important thing is the ANC Youth League is now once again incrementally reclaiming its space in, in public imagination in the media. When people think about youth affairs, they can no longer avoid mentioning the ANC Youth League. At least that's the experience of, of, of the past two months. Yeah. So our cynics, uh, the cynical critics, welcome. We, we have no intention of not engaging anyone, but we're not going to pitch at their level as well. We're not going to venture into the discourse of mudslinging, insulting this and that. There are folks who don't like you forever, for their own reasons. They've never liked you or they didn't like you before this thing started. So they take that existing bias towards you and use it as the basis of understanding yeah, the yeah, moment. Yeah. And they are robbing themselves of an opportunity to understand something good. I don't think there's any of us who should accept a scenario where we're taken to a national congress by the, the, the National Executive Committee of the ANC because it never ends well. It has never happened historically, never happened in 1944, never happened in 1991. It only happened in 2005. It, why do we, not 2005, in, 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 in 2015, it was bad. Why do we want to allow it to happen in 2018 and in 2019 and 2020? Yeah. I don't know. But I think all of us should collectively reject that thing. The other important thing is, it doesn't seem had we not done what we did, the ANC leadership would have even taken this decision that yeah. it has taken now. They seem to be nonchalant, indifferent, and sort of fine with this state that we're in. So it took us doing this for the ANC to even insist that there ought to be a national congress by the end of January 20, uh, 2020. Yeah. Until now, the ANC seemed to not even be bothered by that. Yeah. So even our critics have got to give it to us, at least at that level. They don't have to give it to the personalities that they dislike if they do, yeah. but they've got to accept that in principle, the idea of the ANC Youth League was increasingly being discredited, being marginalized from national discourse, and increasingly being associated with a very bad brand of politics. And that in this thing that has happened, the other net impact has been the reconstruction of a different narrative about the ANC Youth League and what it could potentially do. Yeah. And before I let you go, um, I think... I, I, I also asked William Geller a question similar to this one I'm going to ask that. Is there still space for young people to organize themselves according to political lines? Because I think the problem of somewhat a, a, a defunct ANC Youth League is not only exclusive to the ANC Youth League. You, you find Sasko now which isn't as glorious as it used to be, YCL almost uh, non-existent. And also against the backdrop of a, an, an ANC Women's League that was able to say to the ANC NEC, but what happened in Gauteng was wrong. We insist on having the agreed upon women representation ratio. And so what I'm, I, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like twofold, Uguti. What what does a revived youth league look like? And secondly, do you think that young people have the appetite to align themselves in, in, in that sort of platform? I'm going to actually use the example of the ANC Women's League yeah. to, to answer this question. Because I think it's a very historically valid experience that all of us could pick it back on. President Batabile Dlamini did something extremely unconventional insofar as the, the historic functioning of the Ins Women's League is concerned. She allowed the young women's desk to, to come about. And when that thing started, I think the conservative part of the Women's League was sort of like, what do they know about the Women's League? You know? Yeah. And they are coming with very weird politics, very... Uh, foreign I'm saying foreign I'm not saying it has never been heard of but I'm saying a very foreign insistence on feminism 
on 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 fluid sexuality, yeah. LGBTIQ, this this and that, uh, reproductive rights. I mean, in a conservative platform like the Women's League, the very idea that we have 19-year-olds who are talking about sex, sexuality, this this and that in a room full of elders, a bit of a tabooish yeah. thing. But President Batabile was quite insistent on using her platform as president to impose this reform mm. on the ANC Women's League. Why? It is because these discourses about gender, sex, sexuality, reproductive rights, feminism, and so on, have been growing in South African society outside the ANC fold. Yeah. The ANC Women's League ran the risk of operating a different brand or different strand of gender politics that was increasingly losing its appeal publicly. So what does it do with the Young Women's Desk? It intervenes in that discourse by mobilizing the discourse itself and channeling it internally in order to renew itself in the image of the changes that are taking place in society. Yeah. Look, I think folks, and, I've, and I, 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 I think I said this earlier this year on social media, I think folks have, have really not given sufficient credit to President Batabile and what she has done in order to both renew the Women's League in the image of the changes that are taking place in society around gender politics, but to also institutionalize what were marginal discourses and bring them to the top of the agenda in the ANC as the governing party. Yeah. So by the time the ANC Women's League forces the National Executive Committee of the ANC to reverse a deployment in Gauteng, it's because the Women's League has already been able to keep itself in touch with the popular sentiment about gender struggles in society. Yeah. So that the battle that it took to the NEC was already a battle that everyone in society had accepted as a legitimate and necessary one. It was either the ANC flies against society in trying to offend the Women's League or it correctly yeah. fixes what it did. So that's yeah. what we've yeah. seen. Yeah. Now this is a lesson for both SASCO and the YCL and, 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 and the ANC Youth League. Our intellectual resources and our ideological imagination has been overtaken by historical developments. If you take the Fizz Must Fall experience, take it very seriously. The intellectual capital that kept Fizz Must Fall alive did not originate from the Congress tradition. Yeah. The preeminence of notions of decolonization, of um, including feminism itself, were discourses that intellectually did not originate in, in, in internally and caught the Progressive Youth Alliance on the back foot. By the time the Progressive Youth Alliance tried to familiarize itself, not with the essence of the discourse, but with the language, yeah. it was pretty much late. <laughs> By the time you recognize that, I'm a, the concept of decolonization is consistent with our notions of transformation. Yeah. It's already too late in the historical scene because the movement is already in motion yeah. and you're playing catch up, right? So there is a very important and very urgent need for us to revisit our own assumptions about South African society and the conceptual tools we use to understand and interpret this reality that is changing, but also to revisit our own philosophical notions. Non-racialism is under attack in South Africa today, not because it is not credible, but because we've lost the intellectual capability yeah. to defend it effectively. We seem to confuse non-racialism as an objective of social change for a pacifying mm. philosophy of what I call a kumbaya, like hug me, I'm black, you're white, and therefore we're being non-racial if yeah. sharing a hug. That's not what non-racialism as historically conceived by the ANC was ever about. Non-racialism has always been about a radical reorganizing of South Africa's social and economic resources to mirror the historical aspirations of those who were the victims yeah. of colonialism. Yeah. This is the same philosophical conception of decolonization. But because the PYA does not have this philosophical capability to connect the two concepts on the basis of the essential things that they propose, we have lost the intellectual credibility we used to have as the leaders of discourse nationally. So what we need to do now is to ask the question in the context of SASCO, what is the nature of 
the higher education system post 2000. And I'm saying this because the year 2000 came with the reorganization of the South African uh, higher education landscape with the merging of institutions, yeah. the, the ending of your technicons, this, this and that. And I don't think that SASCO has sufficiently re-theorized the system since then. It also has to then contend with the post fismas fall setting. What yeah. implications does it have? This, the, what kind of student are we attracting? And what are their intellectual interests? What are their moral sensibilities? And how do we take those and incorporate into our own you know, intellectual tradition? So the same thing holds for the Youth League. Yeah. We need to pose the question, are we not inward looking? Are we not talking to the converted? Is our discourse not designed to reproduce the same outcomes for those of us who are already members? Do we have the language or the instruments of language to capture the aspirations of those who are unorganized? Yeah. Do we have the language to talk about the anxieties of the young black professional who's starting out in corporate South Africa? Do we have the instruments of language and imagination to talk about the crisis of a rising standard of living, stagnant wage rate in the economy, and the growing pressure that young professionals are facing to project themselves as being successful, even if that is not consistent with their level of, yeah. of, of income. Those are all things that we need to talk about and think about. Even with the unemployment question, what are the main causes of unemployment? Not this silly thing of saying, no, we, you, we need uh, all companies to have set aside of this and that, internships, blah, blah, blah. Do we even have sufficient companies in the South African economy to absorb the growing numbers of unemployed youth? Yeah. Those are questions that you, you ask at a systemic level in order to capture then the aspirations of the growing army of the unemployed youth. Yeah. Or pose the question, if a person doesn't migrate to Gauteng, what are their chances of economic upward mobility? They are close to zero. Why? Because the concentration of industrial capital in South Africa is in Gauteng. Yeah. So the youth league has got to pose the question, what is it that we need to do in order to first decentralize capital take it to other geographic centers in South Africa, build new industrial assets and new companies, and therefore deal with unemployment in those areas. Now, if you do that, and if you listen to the views that the youth are sharing about these problems, you are then going to answer the question, can the ANC Youth League still organize yeah. young people in South Africa in 2019? Yeah. yeah. And so it's been such a pleasure to to have this conversation with you. I know you and I, when we start, when we get started, we, we won't stop. We won't finish. <laughs> I mean, I was already thinking maybe there must be a, 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 a task team. No, not a task <laughs> team, but something youth desk of the, of the NC Youth League itself. Do you know uh, to deal with that? But I mean, it's uh, humble suggestions from the podcast. <laughs> that, that could be thought of. Yeah. I was actually thinking we were going to throw in a, a minute or two about uh, religion, but it's good that you didn't go. <laughs> It's good that it's ah, good. Ah, uh, man. Uh, thank you. Uh, thanks, thanks, coming thanks to much. you from the headquarters of the ANC Youth League Disbanders. <laughs> it's been me, your host, Nkulle Gonkosi, with Nkosi Sigelela. Uh, we're out. We'll check you out on episode nine. So, like, share, subscribe, uh, write reviews. Um, I'm found on Twitter uh, with my Twitter handle at Kinguli. At King underscore Kuti and uh, on Instagram at King Kuti. Uh, Zugo, it's still the same. Zugo, Zugo underscore Kuti. Yeah. And me. there you have it, man. Till the next time.